We love the Lord, and that's why we're here today, right? I mean, we love the Lord. And you know what's amazing is no matter what's going on in our lives, sometimes I have to remind myself, you know, when everything kind of feels like it's just slipping between your fingers. Have you ever felt like life was just, you couldn't hold on to it and it just kept falling? Anybody there, right? So when it, when it feels like that, I just kind of have to, I have to smile and say, you know what? God is on the throne, so no matter what's slipping between my fingers today, no matter what I feel like I'm losing, God is on the throne. And that makes all the difference. I can change, I can turn that, that day around and just start realizing that I just need to praise Him anyway. So guys, today we're talking about our, this is maybe our last message, I'm not sure, but I know that for the next couple of weeks we've got different things going on. But today we're going to be talking about surviving Pharaoh. So we're in our survival series and we're talking about a bad guy in the Bible and how he attacked God's people. How do we survive that? Today there's a great lesson for every single one of us in this room today. I hope that you listen all the way through. I know that we sometimes it's easy to get distractions. It's easy to to, to, to lose focus. I'm going to ask you to hone in because this is important. Next week I have uh, one of my friends from the Philippines coming in, Pastor Carlo. So a missionary who lives and is uh, from the Philippines, he's coming in, he, he flew in, and, and so he said, uh, Pasta, can I come speak? And I'm like, yeah, come on. So, and, and so you're going to love Pastor Carlo, he is amazing, he loves the Lord. What I love about him is that he was pastoring a larger church that did not have uh, money issues, and he felt the Lord's calling in his life to go plant a church in the poorest part of the community. And he, he left security, he left all that which made things a little bit easier typically, and he went to where there was nothing. And, uh, and I just, I admire that, and I love that. And so and here's also a cool little thing. Um, back uh, a while back, I remember several years ago that churches used to host missionaries, and that would mean that different people in the church could have him come stay with them. So Pastor Carlo, we have an apartment in Sedalia that is free of charge to him, but I know him well enough to know that he would also prefer to get to know people. So if there's any of you here that says, man, I would love to have a missionary come stay the night. We have a guest room. I would love to, to hear all about his, his, his work. So if there's anybody here, um, I don't see Carolyn today, but you can come see me afterwards and I'll write your name down and get you in contact with her. I know that there's been, I know that he's staying at the roll on house a couple of days. I think that's going to be awesome. And so, so if you are, uh, if you're, if you would love to have a missionary come and stay with you, please, uh, please come do that. Otherwise, we do have a place that he can stay. So, um, all right. So guys, surviving Pharaoh. So let me give you a little bit about, um, this is in the book of Exodus. So if you want to start turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter one, right out of the gate. So we, we have the story taking place and unfolding the children of Israel. You know, uh, Joseph had basically preserved the heritage because there was a great drought and he was sold by his brothers into slavery. He, he then be, uh, and, and was sold and he ended up winding up in Egypt. He, was, um, he, he, he went to Potiphar's house. Um, he, he ran out of that house. They put him in jail. He served 10 years um, in, in jail. And, and it all was God's positioning to put him in the right place at the right time. He then became, uh, he, he was able to answer a prayer of Pharaoh or a dream of Pharaoh. And so then what happened is he became the second highest official in all of Egypt. Long story short. 
because this story is not about him. It's just to help set the, the pace here. So all of a sudden, that Pharaoh dies. Joseph dies. All of the patriarchs, you know, they pass on. And now there's a new king is what it talks about. There's a new king in Egypt. So there's a new king who doesn't know what Joseph did doesn't really care about Jacob, doesn't care about the different tribes of Israel. What he does is he realizes that they're growing and multiplying, and there's a lot of them. And he's realizing that if we don't do something, they're going to take over. They're going to they're be stronger than us. So he says, you know what we're going to do is we're going to deal with them. We're going to, and so he put slave masters over them. He'd put them into slavery. So the, 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 the Pharaoh's first plan in controlling... The Hebrews is slavery. And it seemed to work for a little bit. The Hebrews can, but the Hebrews continued to multiply. They still became too much for control. One of the things that we're talking about surviving Pharaoh, I want you to understand that slavery is always about control. Slavery is always about trying to control something. Freedom is being free. From that which controls you. So you can look at anything, an addiction in your life, anybody who's ever struggled with an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction, it controls you, doesn't it? Food addiction, anger, don't act like anger can't be something that controls you. Anybody controlled by their anger, right? You see what I'm saying is start thinking about what is it that controls you. That's what you need to get free from, unless it's God. That's the only thing that we want controlling us, amen? So the thing is, is that when we begin to look at this, that everything in this, so, so Pharaoh is showing right out of the gate that slavery is about control. Addiction is about control. Your sinful nature is about what? Control. It wants to control you. Anger, jealousy, bitterness, what is it? Unforgiveness, whatever it is that, you're, that you've got that you're struggling and battling with, whatever enemy emotion, um, the enemy of your heart, which is, which is the different emotions that we wrestle with, what is it that you're in battle with? How is it trying to control you? Because I'm telling you that's what it wants to do. It wants, anger wants to control you. Bitterness wants to control you. Have you ever been controlled by bitterness? Right? Anybody been ever controlled by bitterness? It controlled how you saw people, how you treated people. So I'm wanting you to understand is that when we're talking about surviving Pharaoh, the first thing we understand is that the things that we're in battle against is trying to control us. Galatians 5.1 is a, one of the heartbeats of our church. This is a passage of one of our mission scriptures. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Did you hear that? It is freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened what? Again. You hear that word again? What it's saying is, hey, you at one point in your life were under the burden of slavery. You were a slave to sin. Amen, right? Some of us in this room, we were a slave to sin. And maybe we still are. Maybe you're, a, you're a, a slave to anger or depression or discouragement. But what he's saying is, it is for freedom. Christ came to set you free. So he says, then stand firm. So if God gave you freedom, then you are to stand firm in the freedom. How many times do we have the, we stand firm for about three hours and then we just cave right back in, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, 
right? We, we stand firm during the Sunday morning service. Woo, come on, right? And then we walk back out there, drive home, get out of the car, walk into our living room, and we let her rip, right? <laughs> do not, do not let yourselves be burdened again, right? You've been set free, don't go back. How many times did the children of Israel want to go back? It was better, Moses. It's, we don't have any water. It was better in slavery. How many times have we kind of tried to sell ourselves that garbage? It was better. Was it really? Your anger, your depression, your discouragement, your jealousy, all of that is better? Well, so we're going to look at when the first plan didn't work, the king of Egypt had to come up with another plan. And first, or in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, says this, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, Now, I'm going to stop you there and, and make sure that we understand something about the midwives. The midwives um, are not women from the Hebrews. They are women that are serving the Hebrews to help deliver children, okay? We're going to see a little bit more of that in a little bit. Whose names were Shipra and Pua. So I'm wanting you to also understand that this, that this is an entire nation, okay? Hundreds of thousands of people. There's not only two, but he's talking to two. Guys, get me? There's, not, there's more than two midwives for an entire nation. He's talking to two. We would then assume that these are two leaders of the midwives, who would probably be controlling factors of the midwives. He says, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. Now, if they just killed him, they're probably going to be killed in the process, right? So we're probably going to have to make a little bit of an assumption that in the medical field, you probably have some ways of understanding how to kill somebody without actually them knowing it. Would you agree that somebody in the medical field probably knows how to weigh to mess with your pills just, a, uh, just enough, just a milligram enough to probably put you down, right? So I, I'm wanting us to understand is that, yes, the Egyptians could walk in there and, and rip, but let me ask you this. How many of you mothers would just let somebody, no matter who it was, would just let somebody kill your baby, right? N nobody, right? So the thing is, is that when we're reading this, I'm wanting you to kind of see that it's telling us a story. These, he, he's saying, as you midwives, as you're doing this, if you can tell, what I want you to do is I want you to do this discreetly, do this quietly, but you have ways of killing that baby without them knowing that you killed their baby. So these midwives, that's his plan. I want you to kill the baby boys, let the girls live. The midwives answered Pharaoh, or no, I, I skipped ahead, sorry, um, the midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. Understand that the king still has the power to terminate your life. Okay? They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. So they're now showing the difference between Egyptians and the Hebrews. Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and they give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives of the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. 
Then Pharaoh gave this order to all of his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So now he says, okay, well, we're still going to get the same goal. I want you to go through the city. All you Egyptians, find every boy that you can and throw them in the Nile. I want you to understand that, whoops, I, I forgot to put the other part of the verse there. That's what happens when I get going two different directions. Pharaoh represents the enemy who wants to rip from you the blessing God has given you. Because this isn't just about children. This is about so many different things that you have in your life. God's given you a blessing. Pharaoh represents the enemy in the way that he wants to rip from you the blessing God has given you. Have you ever noticed that the things that God has given you, how the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy whatever God has given to you? Have you ever, have you ever seen that? Right? That you have something that you know came from God and he just wants to destroy it. Right? He's given you a spouse and the devil wants to destroy that. He gives you children. He wants to destroy that. He gives you a church. He wants you to destroy. He wants to destroy that. He he gives you friends. He wants to destroy that. He gives you this. Whatever it is, you just keep going down the line. Whatever God has given you, know this: your enemy wants to destroy it. Whatever God has given you, the enemy wants to take it. He wants to steal. He wants to kill, and he wants to destroy whatever God has given you. Until you realize what the enemy is up to, he's going to continue to kill, steal, and destroy everything that God's given you. So, I use some terminology here. Maybe you birthed something precious to you, right? And, and I started thinking, I was like, man, that's kind of weird terminology, right? And so I was like, but I want to make sure that I make this phrase, I only made it for this reason, is because when you start thinking there's not a more difficult activity in this world than giving birth. Women, what would you say? You, you agree? There's nothing more painful in this world, more draining, more emotional than giving birth. And so men do not understand that because we've not given birth. We're just the ones looking at you going, hang in there, honey. Push it out, push it out, way out. You know? Do your breathing. Push, push. You know, I mean, that's our job, right? I mean, we're there to help you out, you know. I tried that. I was like, I did that a couple of times. Barbara's like, you do that again and get out. I'm like, I'm going to sit over here quietly. You don't, you're, you, you don't look like you're ready for my jokes right now. It's okay, honey. I'll just be quiet. Sit right here. So, but I'm wanting you to understand is that there's some times where when we talk about maybe you've birthed out something, maybe something that is precious to you, something that you've worked really hard on, something that sweat, tears, and blood rolled out of, right? I mean, when you, when you have worked so hard towards something and you have something that is precious to you, that you love, that you've worked so hard, and all of a sudden you feel like the enemy is trying to take that thing which God has given you. That's what I'm talking about. That's the enemy. That's what he wants to do. And, and I started thinking about this is, is the reason why I'm so glad that we're talking about mamas and we're talking about, I, I watched this video once about uh, this mama bear, a grizzly. She had two cubs and she was on one side of this big stream and a big male grizzly bear came down and he was hungry. He wasn't catching any fish and he decided he was going to eat one of those cubs. And he comes 
flying. I mean, he's huge. He, 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 on, on, the, on the video that I was watching, he looks twice as big as her. And I'm not trying to exaggerate. He was huge. And he comes and he is going to have a meal. He has set his mind, I'm eating one of them. And he's f- running as hard as he can across the stream. Water's going everywhere. And I'm like, oh, either she or one of these cubs is going to die. I mean, that, that, there, there's no way. And she, instead of running away and hoping that they can outrun him, she turns and puts on the meanest growl and fierce roar, and she runs across, and she meets him as fast as she could, and she fought him with every ounce of her life. Man, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, get him, kick him, scratch him. I mean, let him have it. I mean, she is, I mean, because here's the thing is, she is swinging, and I mean, he's bigger. He knocks her down at one point. She gets back up, and I mean, because what she's doing, she's like, she had a choice. You know what? He's only going to eat one. I still have the other one. We can get away. She's like, he's not touching nothing, and she gave everything that she had to fight him off, everything, and she won. She prevailed. I couldn't believe it. He decided that she was more. And what I'm saying is, is that there's some things that God has given us in our life that is worth fighting for with everything we have. But you've got to know that your enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy anything that God has given you. He'll do it any way that he can. So, <laughs> Right? So I want to break into the story where the midwives, where he talks to the midwives, he spoke to them, and he says, I want, you to, to, I want you to go in there, and I want you to kill them if it's a baby boy. And I started thinking a lot about this. One of the things that your enemy wants to do is he wants to take God's word, and he wants to flip it in your life. Have you ever noticed that when, when you have something, you, God has given you a blessing in your life, how the enemy will find some way to try to twist God's word and flip it upside down? I mean, you get what I'm saying. He does it all the time. And sometimes I sit down and I hear people, I'm like, that's not God's word. Whatever you're thinking and holding on to, the devil has flipped it. You're listening to a flipped version of God's word. And so I started thinking about this. So here's the thing. So he couldn't, he, you know, Pharaoh couldn't control through slavery. So he's going to try to do his second plan for controlling the Hebrews is genocide. So he gets these two midwives and he says, you know, hey, here's the deal. I want you to kill all the baby boys. When they are giving, when they're on the birth stool and that baby comes out, do what you know how to do. Kill the baby boys. And you know what immediately came to my mind? It's like taking Titus chapter 2 and turning it upside down. You see, in, the, in, in Titus chapter 2, it says, Older women, likewise, be reverent in behavior. Don't be slanderers and not giving to much wine. Teachers of good things that you may teach Younger women, how to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. He's saying, in the Bible, God wants the mature people to mentor and teach the younger people. And what Pharaoh's trying to do is saying, I want to take the mature people and I want you to teach people how to do things wrong. See, that's the enemy. 
And I began to think about why would the enemy want something? Why would, would they do that? Here's the deal. The reason why is because your enemy wants to replicate his own kingdom, not God's kingdom. Because if he wanted to replicate God's kingdom, he would be for God's kingdom to begin with. Your enemy of God's kingdom wants to do the opposite of God's kingdom. You guys following me? That's why your enemy constantly wants to take God's word and flip it upside down and get you to do things that are the opposite of what God wants you to do in your life. The enemy says, you know what? I can rip away their blessing from them if I can get them to do the opposite of God's word. So I want to take God's word and I want to flip it upside down. I want them to do the opposite. Because what he wants you to do is to replicate the enemy's kingdom. What's the first thing of the armor of God that we put on? I just remember. Nobody knows? No, the first one. The first thing it says first. The belt of what? The belt of truth. So God wants us to put on the belt of truth. The moment a lie comes out of my mouth, I am not, I, I took God's word, I flipped it upside down. Who's the father of lies? Whose kingdom am I serving? What I'm wanting you to understand is how easy it is to flip the script. You see what I'm talking about? It's so easy. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what God's word does. The enemy says, nope, not this time. I need you to do the opposite of that. Right? So what the enemy wanted is he wanted to get these midwives to do the opposite of what God wanted them to do. Well, he then summoned them. He summoned them. I know I already read this, but he summoned them, and he says, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answer, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous, and they give birth before we arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous, and because of the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. I love this. Obedience is the key to God's blessing. They didn't know what God was going to bless them with. They just knew that they were going to, I'm fearing God more than I fear Pharaoh. See, that's what they had to do. They had to come into a place of saying, okay, I'm going to either have to live in, I, gotta, I, I, I know that Pharaoh can kill me. I'm, I'm one of the employees, right? He can do whatever he wants to me. So I'm either going to obey God or I'm going to obey my enemy. See, there's the deal, right? Every time you get into a crossroad, God is saying, here's what obedience to me looks like, and here's what the enemy's path looks like. You're going to have to choose who you're going to be obedient to. So many people will walk in obedience to the devil, never calling it what it is. You're obeying somebody. Come on. You obey somebody. So you're either obeying God or you're obeying the enemy. Now that changes it, doesn't it? Because now all of a sudden, some of us are sitting in this room going, well, I'm gonna, there's some things that I'm going to be changing about that, right? Because all of a sudden, you don't think, like what we do is we downplay sin all the time, right? Don't we? We downplay it. We make it smaller than what it is. Oh, I made a mistake. No, you sinned. Own it. My wife says, lace those up. If the shoe fits, you better lace that puppy up and you better wear it. I'm like, go girl. 
Usually it's about me. I'm like, that's why I wear boots. I don't have to lace nothing. I just put them on. If they fit, wear it. You cannot enjoy the fullness of God's blessing without first obeying his word. Is that not true? Man, so true. So true. Psalm 128 says this. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his what? Ways. Right? You're going to, guys, your life is filled with crossroads. Crossroads, you don't go through a day without some crossroads in your life. Come on. There's not a day where you're not having to make a decision whether I'm going to obey God in this moment or if I'm going to obey the enemy. And I want you to start thinking like that. Start thinking in the way as, who am I going to obey with this decision? This decision right here in this moment, I obey God or I'm obeying the devil. It's not why I'm obeying God or I'm just kind of not, I'm not disobeying God, but I'm not really obeying. No, you're either obeying him or you're not. But if I'm not obeying God, I'm obeying somebody. Blessed is the one. So blessed in Greek is makarios. It means that you are made happy by the extension of another. In other words, this. God says, if I bless you, I'm making you happy. And really, you start thinking about it, there's no one who can make me more happy than God. I said this was going to be the shortest sermon. I'm not sure. <laughs> I told Pastor Paul, I was like, I only have 12 slides. This, we're going to breeze right through this. Ah, yeah, I know. When you eat of the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. I want you to consider what the pharaohs could have gave those midwives for just a moment. He could have made them rich. He could have gave them homes. He could have given them promotions within their field of medical. He could have said, you know what, I'll make you doctors if you, I'll send you to doctor school. You know, I'll, I don't, whatever, medical school, I'll send you to that too. Send you to a drummer school, James. Um, but what it, Pharaoh, start thinking about what could he offer them? If you do this for me, if you kill all the boys in there and make my job easy, I'll give, he could give them all that they wanted, but he couldn't give them everything. Think about what God gave them what the enemy can't. God's blessing in your life will be better than anything the devil offers you. How many people have sold their souls to be famous? And how many famous people commit suicide because they hate being famous? See, whatever the devil's promising you, it's counterfeit. It's false. And it won't make you happy because it can't. God's blessing can make you happy. So I want to pick up in Exodus chapter 2. So he's, he sent all the Egyptians out to start grabbing all the baby boys and throwing them into the Nile. There's mass genocide. The pain during this time is unimaginable. It says, Now a man from the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. This son we know as Moses. When, he, when she saw that he was a fine, healthy child, she hid him for three months. Can you imagine how hard it would be to hide a baby for three months? Chris Schrock, could you hide your little baby for three months? 
There's not a chance. Things got some vocal cords like you do. She hid the baby for three months while people are looking to destroy babies. But when she could hide him, no longer. Okay? Think about this. When she could do this no longer, when you can't hold on any longer, when what you have that you've been holding on so tightly, you can't hold on to it. Have you ever held on so tightly to something and it got so heavy that you couldn't hold on any longer? When she couldn't hide him any longer, she got a papyrus basket, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it, put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile, and his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. If you're taking notes at all, this is the time. The key to surviving Pharaoh, here it is, depends not on what you're holding on to, but rather what you're willing to let go of. Come on now. Write it down. I was sitting in, the, in a tree the other day, and I was like, Lord, how do I communicate this? How do I take this, this thought and, and communicate it? I had a whole paragraph, and I'm like, I talk a lot, but I, wanna, I want one sentence. God, help me with one sentence that if, if, if people remembered one sentence, that would sum up this whole paragraph of thoughts that I have rolling in my head. That's it. The key to surviving Pharaoh depends not on what you're holding on to, but rather what you're willing to let go of. When your blessing turns into a burden. Have you guys ever had something that you knew was a blessing from God, but over time it became a burden to you? I think the easiest way, um, I, I share a lot about you know, the struggles with me and my wife in our, our previous years. Our marriage has never been better than what it is now. Today it is stronger than it's ever been. But there was a time where I entertained thoughts of what life would be without her. I, I imagined how quiet it would be. We can laugh about it now. We can laugh about it now. There was times... And the enemy had gotten into my head and started painting a picture that looked pretty good, being alone. See, what happened is something when I got married, that day I got married, it was a blessing. But over time, that blessing became a burden. Has that ever happened to you in your life where the blessing, the once upon a blessing became a burden? See, I want to teach you something today, something that God taught me. When the blessing turns into a burden, that's the moment that we need to put it in the hands of God. When I, when I stopped trying to change my wife was the day she started to change. When I stopped, I'm like, you know what, I, can, I am not your God. I can't change you. I can't make you want to do the things that I want you to do. And when I stopped playing God... Hear me, when I stopped playing God in my marriage, when I stopped playing God in my home, when I stopped trying to control everything, when I started going, God, I can't fix this. He goes, it's about time. That was the time I said, God, I can't fix this. I need your help. And he's like, it's about time you ask. Because so often we want to hold, we want to hold on to that thing. And, and it's precious, so we won't let go. And if we're going down, it's going down my way. God's saying, I need you to let it go so I can fix it. 
You can't fix it. God can. She couldn't hide her baby child anymore. She couldn't do it. She knew if I hold on to this baby any longer, they're going to find him and they're going to drown him. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life was putting my son in the hands of God. When he was sick, and he wasn't getting any better. Me and my wife, we tried everything. We stopped eating sugar in our house. We read everything that you could possibly read on what feeds cancer and what cures cancer because the doctor said there's nothing we can do on our side. So then we're sitting here going, okay, God, we're going to try every food thing out there. I mean, you know those nasty green hedge apples that fall out of those hedge trees? Oh, we read somewhere that you can eat those and it kills cancer. You know what we did? We froze that sucker and we shaved it and put it in his yogurt. It was terrible. I tried it once. It was terrible. We, we, it's like, okay, we're going to try anything and everything, whatever it takes. We're going to figure this out. That's a parent. And when it wasn't working and it got so heavy and it got so hard, the hardest thing we had to do is say, okay, God, he's yours. And you know, when you put things in the hands of God, it doesn't always come out the way that you want it to. My son passed away at the age of 14. That's not what I wanted. But I want you to understand is that God did not let me down. God did not let Malachi down. You see, when I think of as a parent, the one thing I want to do is make sure that all my kids get to heaven. If that's all I accomplish in my life, thank you. Because I don't want to be there without them. And so, my son loved the Lord. So God didn't let me down. A lot of times when you put things, you could put your marriage in the hands of God and still get a divorce. You can put your children in the hands of God and they still run off. God, He sees the whole sees everything forwards and backwards and I just see this little time and place and I can't see tomorrow I can only see the right here the right now and I just have a choice of whether I'm going to obey God or not I I have this choice right now is do I do I trust God or do I not do I trust him am I willing to put Whatever you're holding on to that's gotten too heavy for you. See, I, I, I imagine that there's some of us sitting in this room that's got some things in our life that's too heavy for us. Am I right? Some things that you can't fix now. That's beyond fixable. Right? The thing that was once this amazing blessing is now feels like a curse. It feels like this heavy burden that you, you don't even want to carry. And what I'm wanting you guys to understand is that the only way to survive here, and that most people, so many people don't survive Pharaoh. They might survive Jezebel. They may survive Goliath. You know, they, they, but, but when we get to Pharaoh, 
Something in the American mindset is, I'm not letting go. You'll have to pry this from my dead, lifeless fingers. I mean, right? I mean, it's like we've got this pride ego thing in our life. If I can't fix it, then no one can. If I can't, it's never going to be. I mean, we have such an ego, don't we? Man, I can't fix nothing. Every time I try to fix something, it just breaks. Anybody witnessing with that? (laughs) Moses' mother was not throwing him away. If she was throwing him away, she wouldn't have put him in a basket. She wouldn't have sealed it with pitch and tar, and she wouldn't have sent her little girl to walk down the Nile to watch over her little, her, her, her little brother. She realized that she couldn't do this any longer and she had to give him a chance. God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm gonna, I, I, I can't do this anymore, so I'm putting it right here. And God, you're going to have to decide. But I am not letting somebody throw him in the Nile. It's kind of amazing when you place things in the hands of God, isn't it? I want you to, the, the rest of this story has it unfolds. She puts them, her little baby, in the Nile. And he's three months old and he's floating down the Nile. We have alligators, we've got hippopotamuses, we've got huge fish, we've got all kinds of things. And snakes and lions and tigers and bears, oh my. I mean, you got it all in there. And got bear fish. I don't even know if that's real, but it was there in the Nile. At just that time, I want you to think about it. He's floating in the river. You can't undo that. You put him in, he's floating, right? So now all the sister can do is watch from the bank, follow it slowly and watch. At just that time, Pharaoh's daughter comes out to bathe in the Nile. Don't know how you get much cleaner, but hey, at just that time, she sees the basket right? At just that time, Miriam, so she sees the basket, she sees this little baby, she's having compassion. Right then, Miriam, the sister of Moses, pops in, hey, would you like me to get you, um, you know, a wet nurse, somebody who could nurse the baby? I know somebody. (laughs) Pharaoh's daughter says, that's a great idea, young lady, go get, so you know who Miriam goes gets? Her mama. Hey, mom, Pharaoh's daughter wants to see you. Pharaoh's daughter, this is so amazing, Pharaoh's daughter then hands the baby back to his mother, not even knowing it, and says, take care of this child for me, and I'll pay you. I mean, come on, right? You see, it's amazing when we begin to put the things most precious to us that God gave us, and we continue to put that in the hands of God, what He can do with it. What happens if you keep your marriage in the hands of God? What would happen if you keep your kids in the hands of God? What would happen if you keep your business in the hands of God? God, this isn't my business, it's yours. What if we started saying, God, this is your ministry, not mine? What happens when you begin to just keep things in the hands of God? What you're saying is, God, I'm going to obey you and I'm going to trust you. That's hard, isn't it? 
What's so amazing is then, then the mother of Moses sends him back as he's weaned when he's no longer needing milk. She sends him. This is not an easy task, but she sends him to the house of Pharaoh. He's educated. He's raised up. And through all of his education in the house, he's raised as a son of Pharaoh, which opens all the doors to become the leader of Israel and to help them get out of Egypt. Do you think that was an easy life for Moses' mother to watch from afar? Did God let her down? No. He used those terrible circumstances to change a life somewhere else. And in fact, to change an entire nation. Malachi's story. My son told me once, we're driving down the road, and I just said, you know, what happens if this doesn't get better? I'm, I'm a person who asks lots of questions. And I, we're driving down the road, and he says, Dad, if one of my friends gets saved from this, that'll be enough for me. And you know what was so amazing? At his funeral, 47 of his friends raised their hands to receive Christ. So, as painful as that was for me and for my wife and for their siblings and their friends, God didn't let him down. God used his sacrifice to change lives. Isn't that what we all want? I want you to answer a question and be very honest. If God says, I'm going to, to take your life, but me taking your life here, I'm going to give you life, one, but I'm going to use your life to change everyone that you care most about. How many of you would do that? If God would say, God, Daniel, I'm going to take your life today, but it's going to save all of your children and your wife and everybody you love, that's easy. Right now, I'm ready. Do it. Let's go. We don't get to know that up front, do we? But that's why we trust him. So I want to close with this. What are you holding on to? Right? What are you holding on to right now that needs to be placed in the hands of God? What are you holding on to? It could be anger. It could be some kind of an emotion. It could be bitterness, unforgiveness. Maybe, maybe you're holding on and you're trying to fix your marriage. Maybe you're trying to fix your kids. Maybe you're trying to fix and, and, and you've come to the end of the rope. I'm wanting you to understand your enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy whatever you care about. So what you care about that you can't hold on to anymore, I'm asking you, what is it? I want you to bow your heads. Do you trust God? Do you trust him? So many of us, we say it until it asks me to do something. I say, I trust you until I have to put my son in your hands. I, I, you, you know, I trust you until I have to put my marriage in your hands. The, 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 the trouble is that we often trust ourselves more than we trust God, who is the creator of all things and knows all things. I'm not telling you that it always works out the way that you want it to, 
But I'm telling you, there's no more capable hands to put something in than His. So what are you holding on to today? What are you holding on to? If it's bitterness, then that means you haven't forgiven somebody. If it's anger, you haven't forgiven somebody. Jealousy, an addiction, drugs, alcohol. What are you holding on to? You're at a crossroad. And you're holding on to something, and you can't hold it any longer, but you're afraid to let it go. So today, I'm asking you, put it in the hands of God today. If you're holding on to something today, the key to surviving Pharaoh is not what you're holding on to, but what you're willing to let go of. So today... If there's something that you're holding on to that you just have to give it to God, I want you to do that right now. Come forward. Whatever it is, give it to God right now in this moment. God, I'm giving this to you. If it succeeds, so be it. If it fails, so be it. But God, I can't hold this any longer. I have to give it to you. Maybe today is the day that you say, I need to be obedient to God. God, I need to be obedient. I, I know that I'm walking down a path that's not in obedience to you. And God, I know right now, I just need to choose obedience. God, I'm going to let you work it out but I need, I need to be obedient maybe there's a part of your life that you have not surrendered surrender it now